0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Acts chapter 27. It reads, And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some of the other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship of Adramidium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea, from there we sailed under the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea along the coasts of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra and Lysa. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Snidus, and the wind did not allow us to go further. We sailed under the Lee of Crete off of Salmone. Coasting along with it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, which was near the city of Lycia. Since much time had passed, and the voyage was now dangerous, because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship than to what Paul said, and because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete facing both southwest and northwest, and spending the winter there. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon, a tempestuous wind, called the Nor'easter, struck down from the land. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along, running under the lee of a small island called Kata. We managed, with difficulty, to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground at the Cirritus, they lowered the gear, And thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo, and on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither the sun nor the stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay upon us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among the men and said, "'Men, you should have listened to me, and not have set sail from Crete, and incurred this injury and loss.' Now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island." When the fourteenth night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found twenty fathoms. A little further on they took a sounding again and found fifteen fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. When as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, "'Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved.' Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. For not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all two hundred and seventy-six persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they did notice a bay with a beach on it, which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken by the surf, The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard and first make for the land, and the rest on planks or pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. So for today's Nugget of Truth, we're going to focus in here on verse 23. And when we look at Paul's situation in this very descriptive chapter, we're going to see how he resolves some of the issues in his life and then ask the question about how we can act in a similar way. So Paul here is in this ship that's headed for disaster. And as he tries to intervene, it doesn't really go well because people are looking more at the pilot or the captains, the different people who are involved in this nautical thing. And as you understand what's taking place there, you might say, hey, the centurion has a good idea that Paul's probably not a sailor. He's not working through these things. But we see in several places that Paul actually has a good understanding of what's taking place in the nautical world when it's safe and when it's not safe to be traveling in those things. You might ask, hey, how has that happened? Well, remember, Remember, Paul has been traveling for many years. Going to different places here in these similar regions. And so he's an intelligent man. He has understood what has been good for travel, what has been bad, and he knows some of those things, tries to share them with the crew and the different people that are there. And nobody's really listening to him. But he is very much encouraged that it's going to be okay because of what we see in verse 23. It says, For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all. Those who sail with you. So, this, the sixth vision that God sends to Paul that Luke records in Acts, is an encouragement to him that, hey, it's going to be okay. But if we look at what's going on, he still has some things that he has to do to get other people to understand hey, this is what God's plan is. I know this is what's going to happen. You need to trust, you need to follow, you need to walk forward with that. And now I think a lot of us would be like, hey, that's amazing. I wish God would give me a specific vision that would tell me what I'm supposed to do, how I'm supposed to act, how I'm supposed to live. And we might say that there are some people that you know who say, hey, yeah, I get these dreams or I get these visions or things that take place. And they're really just talking about things that are like daydreams or other. Other things that take place, just the normal dream that takes place in the evening. I know I have crazy dreams all the time, and I try to put them back together to figure out where pieces came from. But that's not exactly what we're talking about here with Paul. Paul is not using a random vision or a random dream to guide his acts. He had a true revelation of God that was given to him that was explaining to him what he was supposed to do. And so we are stuck with a question of saying, How do we act? How do we live? What do we use? will allow us to understand what God's will is for our life. And so in the same way, we have a very specific revelation of God given to us in the scriptures, especially here in these scriptures that we've been studying, that tell us how God desires us to live and act. And so at this point in time, in Paul's life, we don't have a clear understanding of what he had in terms of the New Testament scriptures. We know that he would have had access to the Old Testament scriptures, but we're not sure about the uh, continuing revelation that takes place in the New Testament. But we do know that Paul has those things. And he uses them to reason and to uh, guide some of his conversations with other people. And so we have those things in the Old Testament that Paul had, as well as all the things that take place in the New Testament that are God's specific revelation to us, that give us a clear understanding of how we're supposed to live and act in a world. And it can be very difficult to see what the specific decision is that's supposed to be made. But when we look at the totality of the scriptures, what we see is they give us truly these principles and these guideposts to live by that give us a more clear understanding of what God is wanting us to do and how God is wanting us to live. And while we may never get a specific revelation like Paul has that tells him exactly what's going to happen, we do see these very specific practices and teachings and mindsets that the scriptures teach us over and over again are to be a part of our life that will help us to make decisions that are based upon what is best for God's kingdom and God's glory to be extended through our ministry for him. And so while we, Are looking at this very descriptive passage. We see how Paul is making these decisions and moving forward, and we must ask ourselves how we are to do the same thing. How am I to extend God's kingdom in what I'm doing? What is it that my behavior, my actions, my mindsets are supposed to be so that I can be a bold witness like Paul is as he goes to the ends of the earth? And so when we look at the rest of the scriptures, we will see those principles, those guideposts, those different teachings that will allow us to act and live in a similar way so that we are a bold witness for Jesus wherever we are. As far as a question for today, there are so many different nautical terms and practices that are taking place here in Acts chapter 27. Many of those are not familiar to us. And so it would be kind of beneficial if you want to look at some of those things to understand a little bit more clearly about what they're talking about, to give yourself a more fuller picture about that. Uh, Selfishly, when I read this as a kid, one of the things that always popped out to me is it has this repetition of this nautical term, Lee. And so obviously, since that's my name, it was something that always jumped out to me as a kid. Hey, what is a Lee? What is a Lee of Crete or Cyprus or these different things? And so that's something that I've looked into before. And so I'll share that with you. A Lee is a term in sailing that refers to the side opposite of the wind. And so if the wind is coming at your right side, the Lee side is the left side. And so when we're talking here in these nautical terms, the Lee of Cyprus, the Lee of Crete, these different things, it's the side that's opposite of the wind as they're going through that. And oftentimes there would be two pieces of land. One is the larger thing that they say, and the other one is the Lee side or the other side of the shore that's there. And sometimes it could be very difficult for them to pass through that. And they always had to be weary of the other side that's there close to that island as they could run ashore there and that could cause great damage. And so when we look into passages like this that have these very descriptive passages that use specific terms that we're not using, it gives us a great understanding that, hey, Luke has done a lot of research and he's looked into this in great detail. He's giving us a very clear picture of what's taking place. And so by learning those terms and learning, to understand them, we have a greater understanding of what he's trying to portray to us. Other times in scriptures, it's not going to be these specific terms that we're looking at, but more the theological aspects of what's going on here. And so you may have a question about the terms or the theological aspects, whatever that question is, we always encourage you to find the answer to that question. Talk with other people about this, because as you do that, you continually sharpen one another. You get in a habit of speaking about God's word to other people, and that helps to grow your confidence each day in what God is trying to reveal to you. Note know today you were loved. You.